As we step into our scripture reading for today, we hear a conversation that's almost like an interview between Nicodemus and Jesus. Listen for the ways that this impacts our context today installing a new senior pastor. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit." Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Amen. Pastor Arp. Thank you for relieving my voice a little bit this morning. I had a wedding yesterday outdoors, about 140 people with no microphones, so I, I might have overdone it a little bit there. Uh, and then the two services this morning, but I think we'll make it through. Can I just say, first of all, it is so good to see the whole 11 o'clock family together in the same space. I mean, usually we're one over there and one over here. So it's really nice to have us together in, uh, in this space. We did it back on uh, Reformation Day when we took this service over into the sanctuary, so good to be back on this side together for today's celebration. So the text is what you just heard uh, Pastor Sam read to us, and uh, if you didn't know this, 25 years ago, um, I flew to Wichita, Kansas, and Tig's dad came uh, and picked me up uh, at the airport. Tig had been the first vicar that I officially supervised um, as uh, the, his supervising pastor here, and then he went back to seminary for a year, uh, and I preached at his ordination. Uh, so I, I told him I, I looked for that sermon because I thought, well, why write a new one? I'll just repeat that one. <laughs> well, I couldn't find it. Although he assured me he remembers everything I said. 
It was three and a half years ago that St. Luke's went into a process of seeking to fill a pastoral vacancy on this staff. And in the back of our minds as we started down that road was actually this day. Three and a half years ago, we began asking ourselves whether or not the next person that God would lead into the senior pastor role might be this new person that we were calling onto staff. And Ty and I had that conversation as he went through the process with absolutely no promise and absolutely no guarantee that we'd actually get to today. And yet here we are. Now, in order to seek God's guidance and direction for the call of senior pastor, a call committee was engaged in a very rigorous evaluation of Pastor Tighe. He was first of all asked to, to respond in writing to questions regarding the core competencies of the office of the senior pastor. Then he was asked to write a summary of his vision for St. Luke's for the next five to seven years. Then he was subjected to an intense outside consultant, 360 degree evaluation by 28 different individuals from this congregation, ranging from me to other staff members, to the lay leadership, to the people sitting in the pew. And then with all of that information in hand, we brought him in, we shined a bright light in his eyes, and we interrogated him for hours and hours and hours. All right, maybe there wasn't a bright light. Then we presented our findings to the voters' assembly a month ago here in this room, and we prayed and we asked God to guide us into deciding whether to call Pastor Tighe to be our senior pastor, and the overwhelming majority voted yes. And then, as is our custom in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, we asked for a second motion to make that vote unanimous, demonstrating that we would all now support that call, support that work of the Holy Spirit in us through the majority. And it was so. And that brings us to today. And when we were preparing for today, the question came up as to whether we should stay in this sermon series for Lent called The Way of the Cross, or whether it would be better to pick different readings and have different songs that were focused just on the calling and installing of a pastor. And when I talked to Tig about it, we both kind of thought that maybe it was divinely appropriate for today that this is the assigned reading for the second Sunday in Lent, the account of Nicodemus. Now, whether or not I can actually pull this off or not remains to be seen, but as we were doing this, it occurred to me that what we might actually be doing here today is going through the last stage of seeking Pastor Tyke to be the new senior pastor at St. Luke's. Because if you think about it in our text, Nicodemus came, you might say, to interview Jesus. To see whether or not Jesus would measure up to his expectations 
of what it meant to be the Christ, the Messiah, the one promised since the Garden of Eden all the way back in Genesis chapter 3 to make the world right again, the one who would usher in the kingdom of God only to discover that it would be actually Nicodemus who was being interviewed by Jesus, not the other way around. And so that's what I want to do this morning. I want to try and be faithful to this text and yet somehow translate it into this moment in time as our life together, which of course is the task of every sermon every Sunday. So Ty, I've asked you twice now to imagine yourself coming to Jesus, perhaps, I don't know, expecting to have a little chat with him about our newly updated mission statement, awakening hearts in every generation to the power of life in Christ and the life marks or the goals that we hope to see develop in every single person we come into contact with at St. Luke's, a life of freedom and a life of joy and a life of sacrifice and a life of renewal. The Pharisees were a reform movement within the nation of Israel who were seeking to bring that nation back to right worship of God and to right living according to the revealed word of God received through Moses and the prophets. Nicodemus, you can read on the screen, was a ruler of the Jews, meaning probably that he was one of the 70 elders that had been chosen to lead the nation as it was currently under Roman domination. Now these men were very wary of any Messiah figures who might stir up the people and bring down the wrath of Rome. Now Nicodemus will eventually stand apart from his peers defending Jesus before them which brought their jeers oh Nicodemus are you from Galilee too which by the way is not a compliment and then finally at the end of John's gospel we see Nicodemus assisting Joseph of Arimathea taking Jesus body down off the cross and quickly preparing him for burial So, Tig, it has seemed to me over the years that much of current conservative American Christianity has so much in common with these Pharisees. Because, you see, we... We want to bring people back to the right worship of God. We want want to bring people back to a right way of life. Like the Pharisees, we are appalled to see the decay of our culture and our way of life. And like those Pharisees, we have also imagined that collaboration with political power is necessary for us to achieve our goal. And so our preaching and our teaching has sadly led many people to sort of a self-righteous judgmentalism, a holier-than-thou condescension, angry and rigid attitudes toward those 
who would dare to refuse to listen to us. Now that Nicodemus came at night has at least two significant points. The first one is that it was dark outside. Meaning he probably didn't want anybody to see him seeking to talk to this new upstart rabbi. But secondly, throughout John's gospel, darkness is a spiritual metaphor. And as we will see this morning, Nicodemus was absolutely in the dark about who Jesus was and what he came to do. And so that's our starting point today because that's true of all of us. Because living in a fallen and broken and sinful world, all of us have these dark places in our understanding, in our being fully and completely awakened to the power of life in Christ. And so, Ty, it's so important as you step into this new role at St. Luke's that you are keenly aware of those places, not just in your own life, but in the lives of the people that we serve. Whether that be the little Pharisee that lives in each one of our hearts taking ourselves way too seriously, or that twisted opposite where we sometimes imagine it to be pious and humble to think too little of ourselves. No, today, this morning, Tig, this all begins with a come-to-Jesus moment. Now, if you look, it's almost as if Jesus ignored Nicodemus's opening line, in which he didn't actually come right and out and ask Jesus a question, but he was certainly fishing for something like, now, Jesus, who exactly then are you? In the verses just before our text, Jesus had said this, that he did not need man's testimony about man because he, in fact, knew men's hearts. And because he knew, already knew, Nicodemus's heart and your heart and my heart, Jesus cuts straight to the chase. Jesus knows you and every one of us gathered here all the way to the bottom. He knows all the dark places that you have been in your life. He knows your past 25 years of pastoral ministry. He knows all about your doctorate degree from Concordia University in Portland in transformational leadership. He even knows about our strategic plan and our attempts to try and do worship gatherings and spiritual formation groups and community connections that will awaken people's hearts. Jesus knows our current staffing, and he even knows our budgets. And he says to you from this text today, Tig, all of that is well and good. But what is critically important for you today and for every one of us is that we be born again. That you and I and every person listening to these words of Jesus be continuously transformed to receive a clean heart, to receive a new and a right spirit within us. 
Look, Jesus wasn't making something new up. God had already spoken these words through Ezekiel the prophet 600 years before Jesus came into the world when the nation of Israel had crumbled and had been carried off into captivity in Babylon. Listen to what God said through Ezekiel. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from your uncleanness and from all your idols. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you. And I will cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Ty, you already know this. But hear it again. That the Holy Spirit promises to be there cleansing and renewing your heart every time that you remember your baptism, every time that you see or taste or touch or hear or smell water and you say those words to yourself in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, the day that you were united with Christ in his death and in his resurrection, you are born again every day. The Holy Spirit promises to be there nourishing your ongoing transformation every time that you hold out your hand and you receive Jesus' body and blood in with and under the bread and wine of our Lord's Supper. The Holy Spirit will blow the breath of faith into your lungs Every time that you engage the word, written, spoken, sung, formally, informally, through worship, in sermons, in your personal meditation, in the conversations that you have with other believers about the kingdom of God, which is the world put right, right now, through faith in him. It's so simple. <laughs> it is so sweet. It is so straightforward. And yet, as we have proven over and over again, it is so easy to turn it into mindless motions that fail to truly transform us. Tig, I can tell you from my experience over the past 25 years that the administration of this place can swallow you whole. <laughs> you can get so wrapped up in meetings and the minutia of the operations of this 4,000 plus member congregation with an 800 plus student school with 135 full and part-time employees that you lose sight of Jesus. Now I'm sure it won't ever happen to you. But let me confess before you all today that it all went to my head a time or two, a little bit over the years, and there was more than once that I got a little too big for my britches. <laughs> so these words from Jesus to Nicodemus are sharp, and they are meant to pull us up short. 
Jesus uses the plural we here, which might be a reference to the Trinity, the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit, or he might actually be making fun of Nicodemus when he started this conversation by saying, hey, we know that you must be from God, and Jesus is saying, hey, we know some stuff too. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit has seven and a half billion people alive on this planet, all of whom he wants to spend eternity with, each of which is an unrepeatable miracle with whom he longs to live forever. God has the entire universe and the history of all of the nations under his management all of which he is resolutely directing toward a grand and glorious restoration in which the world will finally be put right permanently and forever. And so here's the way of the cross. Jesus is the one who has come down from heaven to reveal God's unfathomable heavenly love for us by being lifted up. Jesus reaches back into Nicodemus's knowledge of God's mercy and grace to the people that he had led out of slavery in Egypt to the time in the wilderness when they were infected, infested with poisonous snakes and God had instructed Moses to put a bronze serpent up on the top of a pole and to declare that anyone who would simply look at it and believe that God could and would rescue them would be saved. Now, every single place in John's gospel where the word lifted up occurs, it always combines the image of Jesus being hoisted up onto the cross and his being exalted and being hailed as a king and as a conqueror. So to the cross, Reverend Dr. Tide Culbertson, to the cross, people of St. Luke's over and over because here is the direct answer to Nicodemus's question how can this be the kingdom of God which is the world put right people put right you and me put right with God put right with one another put right with the whole creation is seen it is entered into the new birth is experienced and eternal life begins only through the saving cross work of jesus christ received by faith and so it's imperative that we set our hearts once again this morning on keeping the main thing the main thing Jesus didn't come into a neutral world to save some good people and to condemn a few bad ones. Jesus came into a lost and a dying world to save us. God's purposes establishes our purpose as a congregation. The mission of Jesus is to bring salvation. Now, Jesus' interview with Nicodemus continued beyond where we stopped reading today and ends with these words. But you need to remember that Nicodemus had come to Jesus in darkness. 
And here's what Jesus said. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. We're forgiven. We're born again daily. We are awakened to the power of life in Christ. And the light is shining brightly on us as we step into the next chapter of God's story here at St. Luke's Lutheran Church and School. Amen. Now the peace that passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and your minds in this true faith unto life everlasting.